Our coverage here from Radio Row, the site of Super Bowl 47. New Orleans Convention Center, Darren McFarland here at our 102.5 The Game table. All this brought to you this week by Low T Center in Brentwood inside Maryland Farms and Freeland Chevy Business Elite Sales. Our next guest, Chris Reese. Right? So I know people probably butcher your name. Oh, Chris, they butcher it all the time. Chris, Chris Rice, Reese. Chris Reyes, Chris, you so, name it. So it I nailed called. it. You nailed it. You killed it. Chris Reese, former Georgia Tech man. Yes, that's right. And the guy for the New Orleans Saints who recovered the onside kick, which we all remember. We'll never forget. Yep. And so, I mean, let's just dive right into that, okay. Chris. Did you guys, how did that all come about? Did you... Yeah. Did you talk about it during the week? Was that something just spur of the moment at halftime? How did that play develop and happen? You know, it was uh, about two weeks before the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 44, and <clears throat> Coach Peyton was trying to find a way to maybe steal a possession from Peyton Manning. We knew it was going to go back and forth like that, Breeze and Manning, um, but we knew we had to try to steal one. We looked at first for a fake punt, and to their credit, it really didn't happen. Um, so we saw that their front line on their kickoff return was bailing early before the kick, and that's a telltale sign that they're just they're ready for a, for a, a surprise onside kick. Now, Coach Payton had put stuff in earlier in the year and never called it. So we didn't know when he was going to call it or if. or I mean, we just had no idea. Um, so it's halftime of Super Bowl 44. So there was no film of no, you guys ever doing that no. in the course of the season? No, nope. We have never – I mean, we practice it a lot, but it was – I mean, we never did it at all. So they had no idea. We get in the locker room, and, and he says, hey, we're going to do ambush. It was called ambush. And uh, I don't really think anybody really understood the magnitude of what we were about to do. You probably did. No, I, you know what? I didn't. I think it was It's so weird because you just don't think about it like that. I didn't know that it was going to change the game and I'll forever go down as a hero in a Super Bowl. I mean, I, you, don't, you just don't imagine stuff like that. It's crazy. And you go, I go out there. We're lining up. I'm not even supposed to recover the onside kick. I'm the guy that loops behind just in case the ball squirted it out, which it did. So at what point do you have a lump in your throat? I mean, I mean I think does it, that happen at all? Absolutely. I think when I was lining up, I'm looking down the line, and I'm looking at all the players, and I'm like, like this is a big deal. Like, we're, we could change the game right here. You know, I, I guess right then I just my stomach started to drop like, this is going to be a big deal. And I don't really know how it's going to happen, but it's going to be a big deal. And luckily, I ended up coming out with the ball and changed the game. Now, a lot of things have to happen yeah. for that to play out. I mean, sure. the kick has to be right. Mm -hmm. You know, Usually, it has to bounce off somebody yeah. or something. You're not sure exactly. Yeah. You can design the play, but you're really not sure how it's going to play out. So I'm, I know in your mind, you're thinking, well, it could be in my vicinity. Was it going to be in your – I mean, how did that play develop where you're the one who ended up with the ball? You know, it, it's, it's in my area. So I, I'm looping behind Roman Harper – um, and I'm just, I'm kind of, it's in my area, but I was never, and in a perfect world, I was not supposed to recover the onside kick. And so I'm just, I'm kind of looping behind, and I'm not expecting anything. It shoots off of somebody, it shoots off a Hank basket or somebody. I kind of back shoulder it and hang on to it and get, get pinned, and then all of a sudden it just goes black. I mean, body's on top, and I call it a street fight laying down. And you don't really prepare for a pile like that that lasts 63 seconds. You just don't prepare for something like that. You can't train for it. I mean, what do you do in a gym? I mean, so it, it was. it's a really big compliment. I came off the field. Um, I'm holding the ball up. My arms, my hands are burning. And Coach Williams, Greg Williams, our defensive coordinator at the time, comes up to me and said that had nothing to do with X's and O's. 
And I, I think you're right in saying that you, you can draw it up the way that you want, and it, it never goes perfect, but it's all about heart, passion, and execution is really what matters. And to me, that was a huge compliment because he said, look, you're the right guy in the right situation. You had the heart and the passion to hold on to the ball, that, and that's what it took. By the way, if you watch Kendra, mm-hmm. Hank Basket was absolutely the guy. <laughs> Believe me, it's well documented I saw that. on that show I saw that. that he was the I guy. I can't blame him, though. He's I mean, the GOAT. I know. I, I hate it for him. And, you know, he's a nice guy, and he was defending himself. And I'm sorry, what he said was, I hung on to the ball, and then when I heard them say blue ball, I let go. Nobody lets go of the ball. Let's be realistic here. You're in the Super Bowl. You come out with the ball no matter what it takes. You don't just let go of it. But, hey, I, I can't say I don't blame him. Chris Reese here at our table, he was the safety for the Saints, and he's the guy who recovered the famous onside kick to start off the second half, which eventually led to a New Orleans Saints Super Bowl victory over the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and they were the heavy favorite. We'll get into that in a minute. We'll find out how much do you play up the underdog role. You brought up Greg Williams. Mm -hmm. Story out there, still no confirmation. Seems like the Titans and Mike Munchak may be flirting with Greg Williams, but there seems to be real interest level between uh, a team and an organization that he spent time with before he went on to become a head coach and then defensive coordinators elsewhere. One, tell me what you think about that. Just give me your whole yeah. opinion. Playing for Greg Williams, and now that this has all been done, and he'll have to go see the commissioner, of course. which I'm sure that he'll be reinstated, I guess, if he has a job. But yeah. to be determined, what do you think? I think Greg Williams, um, honestly, I think, I think he's a great guy. I think he's misunderstood a lot of times. Um, and, and knowing him personally, he was he's a psychological genius and when i say that is he understands the game physically a lot of people do but he more importantly he understands it understands it psychologically and a lot of the audio clips that people heard throughout the season in the past couple seasons are way out of context um he, he understood that the game was not just physical, that if you want to beat somebody physically, that's one thing, but we wanted to not just beat you physically, but beat you mentally. And he understood how to do that. And he understood how to, how to control the player's uh, mindset. And it was just, it was, I learned so much in that one season with him more than I had played my entire career. And I think it was more of the mental aspect because that's really what it takes. And, and I hope he gets a coaching job because I think he's a great coach. I think he made some mistakes like we all do, but you know what? He needs to be forgiven. And I think he has been. He served his time, and uh, he, he should come back and, and be an awesome coach, like I think he is. You were out of the game when the whole Bounty Gates story went. Which I don't know how you're out of the game. I would have thought you get a lifetime contract <laughs> you for what think. you did in that Super Bowl. You would hope. <laughs> but when the whole story came out and that that whole thing took off, I mean, what were what were your thoughts? I'm sure people were asking you sure. to talk about it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's 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 blown way out of proportion. I mean, it really is, and it's it's. It's just, it's one of those things that, uh, that the media kind of takes and runs with and says, this is a story and we're going to call it Bounty Gate and we're going to say that you did this, that, and the other. When the guys in that locker room knew what was going on and when the commissioner uh, jumps to conclusions like that before he had all information, it was a shame that these players got, got, got punished like that before they ever knew the real facts. And so I guess it's frustrating for me because I wasn't in the NFL at the time and I knew the real story and I knew what was going on, but it really didn't matter what I said or what anybody else said. I mean, the condition, commissioner has all the power. So it was a shame that uh, that, that happened, but, you know, uh, it all worked out in the end. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's done with now and we're ready to move on. Did you guys play up the, I mentioned we would bring this up. Did mm-hmm. you guys play up the underdog? Nobody's predicting us to win. We're the heavy underdog. Everybody's saying the Colts, Peyton Manning. Sure. 
Did that go on in the locker room? I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think we ever bought into the underdog feel. You know, and I don't think that was our motivation by any means. We knew how good we were. We knew the quality of players. We knew the chemistry that we had. We knew what we were playing for. We were playing for a city that needed this. You know, needed a recovery. Needed something greater to happen. You know, needed all of that. And so I, I think we understood that we're just as good, if not better, than the Colts. Um, but we knew with Peyton Manning, we had to find some sort of way to throw him off his game or to do something else. And the onside kick was kind of our way of, of saying, here we are, and, and let's do this. Before we get into what you're doing, yeah. um, Chris, if you had, you know, I mean, th- it is the topic, safety and the yeah. violence, and we've got lawsuits. Mm-hmm. And if you were in charge, how would you, I mean, I don't think you can change the game. It is what it is. But yeah. what would you do to maybe, I guess, help the players? Man, that's a, a great question. I, and, and I'm a little biased because I'm coming from a player standpoint, and I'm not coming from a business standpoint. But, um, you know, health care for, for retired players is a big deal now. I mean, let's, let's be realistic. There's a lot of retired players that don't have health care, and they're running out of money because of, of, the, of the time they spent in the NFL. So health care is a big issue for the former players. Um, and I don't know if there's one such solution that would help everybody, but um, you know, player safety is a big deal. Do I think the kickoff needs to be moved up to the 35? No, it took a lot out of the game, honestly. I understand why they did it, but I mean, I love that part of the game, and I know a lot of people did. Um, and all these hits with they have to, you know, defenseless receivers, and to me, it, it's a violent sport. If, it, if you don't want to play it, and you're scared of it, that's fine. There's just more room for me and other people that do want to play it, you know? Um, and, and I don't have a son, so I have a daughter, so I don't have to think about that right now. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, if I did have a son, would you let him play? Of course, I would teach him the right way to hit, the correct way. And then I guess the rest is if something's going to happen, I can't put a bubble around him the whole time. Um, he, and if he loves the game and he enjoys it, then great. Um, I, I just think sometimes we're making a big deal out of, um, and not, not player safety, because it is a big deal, but we're making a big deal out of, of the game as being violent. It is a violent game played by violent people that understand the game. And, and uh, Channing Crowder says it best, if you give me a helmet, I'm going to use it kind of deal. <laughs> so I, I can't say I don't blame them, but um, I just think it's getting r- ridiculous. Tell me about your book. Yeah, we, uh, my dad and I wrote a book called Recovery of a Lifetime. Um, it's about our relationship and how uh, the recovery in Super Bowl 44 of the onside kick kind of inspired my dad to recover from a lifetime of addictions. Uh, he left me and my brother uh, and my mom when we were when I was two years old. My brother was four, um, and he left us and, and started his own family. And uh, it's kind of about our life and our relationship and, and the struggles that he went through in his life and the battle that he went through in his relationships and and uh, just about how. Um, you can recover from anything and how my life inspired him to to want to make his life better is it out yet it is out right now it's uh it's on recoveryoflifetime.com our website as well as amazon good luck with this thank sounds you so like much. a good read it is it's a really good read chris reese and his father mike reese recovery of a lifetime thanks for stopping by the thanks table a lot. thanks for having me chris reese here at our game table we'll take a break and we'll be back mm-hmm. 